Welcome to Healing the City Podcast. My name is Eric Seepin. In this episode, Jill and I continue our conversation about third culture kids, in particular, what their experience is like in community. You have a third culture experience, oh, partly yeah. because you've moved a lot, but yes. partly because the, your stay in Ireland, right. where you didn't belong there, but you were long enough there that when you came back, right. you struggled to belong here. Yes. And so I thought maybe you could just begin to talk about that experience and sure from your own perspective, but then also maybe kind of help build it out a little bit for us in okay. the sense of what kids who go through this experience yeah. are typically kind of dealing with and wrestling with. Right. Um, and you can go any direction you want. Yeah. So it's a lot of, I think, identity. And that's sort of like when I said I was talking about um, that sort of fantasy unit. That's yeah. a lot of the stuff that I explored. So is home a physical place? Right. Is it a cultural place? Is it just the people around you that you choose to spend your life with? And um, it's so hard for... For a third culture kid, I would say it's definitely not a physical place. As far as if if you're describing home as a place where you feel safe right. and you feel nurtured and you feel like you belong, right? Um, it's uh, how I would describe it, I think. I mean, and things have changed a little bit as I've been over here and living in the States for longer and longer, you know, it starts to feel a little more um, comfortable. But I definitely, I think, would have described it as other people. Like home was where there were other third culture kids, where there were internationals, where there were um, people that understood me and got me. And that's kind of how I would have described it. Um, because it's it's sort of rare. It's kind of a, I mean, it's becoming more of a thing now, but definitely when I was growing up, it was not a thing. And um, people just didn't pick up and, and leave and move to another right. country. Right. Um, and then come back. You know, a lot of right. times, like, maybe you moved, like, you know, Hudson Taylor or whatever. Like, right. you moved to China, but then, like, you die there, you know, kind of like right. that's that's sort right. of it. Um, so it's, it's definitely an adjustment. I never had um, an American high school experience. The most I had was up to seventh grade, right. and that was not great. Right. <laughs> I mean, junior high, I think, in general, is probably not great. But Right, and I know from you telling me junior high in Ireland was really rough on you, too. Yes. Definitely, yeah. Um, junior high and high school. Uh, it felt different, though, than what I've heard people describe their high school experience right. as. Um, it was. It was definitely like more scholarly focused, okay. and um, uh, let me think. How could I describe it? Uh, safer. In a way, I mean, nobody would ever have a gun. Like, that's not even a concept. Right. Cigarettes, yes, but <laughs> a gun, no. And I don't even know. I mean, maybe they did, and I just didn't know about it, but I don't even really think drugs was a thing. Um, 
as much, you know, it's kind of like this country Catholic nuns and brothers. Right, right. You know, it was was definitely a a different experience and um, very much focused on being one of the crowd. You know, you're kind of this this common sort of like everybody's the same. Don't try and stand out. Don't try and be different, which was completely antithetical to who I was. I was all about standing out. I was all about being different. And that was rough because you kind of got sort of knocked back down. Um, and, And sort of not people not understanding that, you know, like, how do you have such, you know, a good self-esteem <laughs> right why do you feel so good about yourself you're supposed to be you know guilty and shameful and you know kind of that goes along sort of fits in with the uh, religion i right. think a little bit of the catholic yeah of that sort of thing. shaming you yes. and guilting you into things okay and sort of i think that's kind of how they can control you although it's really like in some ways, it's really great because they push, like, charities and they push giving and stuff. But that's really, like, how they do it is is through kind of this guilt and hmm. and shame and, you know, like, they're sort of responsible for your soul kind right, of thing. Right, so, um, so it was definitely a unique experience. And even as a missionary kid, um, except within there, – there wasn't too many missionary organizations in Europe. Okay. I don't even know if there was another one other than Gritty Art Mission. There might be, and I'm just not knowing about it. But well, I mean, I'm sure Operation Mobilization was there. And oh, others well, like that's that. true. But they were, and they were in Ireland because I did stuff with them. Yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, they were definitely there. But it was sort of rarer. It yeah. was more like the missionary kids that I would meet afterwards when I moved back here it would be like from Africa or right. South America right. or like somewhere more exotic right the Philippines Indonesia you know that kind of thing right. and so that was sort of a harder I mean there's still like this commonality of yes we've both been through this sort of like traumatic <laughs> interesting stretching experience but it's not quite the same in the same way yeah. right sure yeah, it was definitely cool um, to meet Brenna, Matt's girlfriend. Yes, um, because even though she wasn't like a missionary kid, so it wasn't quite the same. She lived in England for sort of the same kind of period and sort of went through a lot of the same uh, types of things. So right. that was really cool to talk to her and sort of reconnect with all those feelings. Ah, <laughs> wow. So maybe you could talk to me a little bit about my experience at least of third culture kids mm. and i actually wasn't a third culture kid but i moved a number of times not 30 i think i probably <laughs> was in 10 oh, okay you know and That's so my lot. parents moved and so i understand the displacement a little bit and the what mm. is home question mm-hmm. but when you come back in as a kid i mean you're 19 years old mm-hmm. you come back in what do you like this is supposedly quote unquote your country your right. people yeah, you are missing a chunk of experience with these people, right, right. both culturally and just in you know school and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. What is what is that like? What does that do to you? How do you feel in a crowd? What's that experience like? Well, it's a familiar feeling because I did move around so much right. as a child. Um, 
it's definitely like on the outside looking in type thing. Um, you're immediately looking for how you can adapt. You know, like how can I adapt to this situation? How can I um, fit in as quickly and seamlessly as possible? Um, you're you're definitely still missing, you know, a culture that you lived in, but you're not from. So you right. didn't really belong there either. <laughs> like, right. you know, right. you weren't, I wasn't Irish and I wasn't even close to the personality or like sure. culture of Ireland. Um, but I think, I know one of the girls at school when I was living there was like, you know more people in the school than I do. And I've lived here my entire life. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of good, I guess. Like, I was sort of surprised about that. But um, I think I just had to sort of develop that skill of making friends and um, fitting in and sort of But even when you fit in, like, when do you, when do you get to... Is it is your experience of belonging and your experience of home like when you connect with a person who understands your connection? Because when you're always yes. trying to fit in and trying to adapt, yes, it's never really you. I mean, it's partly you, mm-hmm. but part of it is you're trying to fit in because this is the mode, and you don't want to be on the outside, and you want to have friends, and you want to belong. Yeah, that's so tricky. Um, it definitely it feels kind of like a challenge. Okay, to me, I think. It feels like learning about a culture. And, and, okay, and then I could probably go a little bit into what happens to highly mobile people is sometimes, and a lot of times, they can develop what's called separation detachment. Um, I don't know if it's considered a disorder or whatever, but um, it's sort of, I mean just like the title it sort of detaches you from people yes and you just see them more objectively and so there's a sense of like oh isn't that interesting that you do that thing or that you and so it becomes more about oh almost hmm, almost like an anthropologist i think kind of like observing another species or something you know just sort of going out into the jungle and sort of looking at like oh okay this is how they do things and this is you know and um and i don't i'm trying to think like did i actually change i think so i think i did i think i was kind of like okay this is what i'm in now and I'm going to learn how to bake pies or I'm going to, like you know, like whatever the thing is. And it was like I just always explored it or sorry, um, always like approached it as like, OK, here's something I'm going to learn about. Right. Here's something I'm going to explore. So in a way, it was like 100 percent me. But in a way, it was kind of like zero percent me. It, it's very odd. So sure. I mean, do you think. Like you have to you you begin to guard your emotional attachment to people at some level because you know you're leaving or you know that this one's going to be moving or it's going to be temporary or yeah so it could go one of two ways and I think this is also um, 
if people out there are familiar with reactive attachment right. disorder, it's somewhat similar. It's not quite the same, but it's somewhat similar where um, you can want to go fast and deep right. because you don't know when you're leaving and you want to get those like friendship needs met. Right. But a lot of times you don't have any experience or um, practice with long-term right. and extensive extended friendship time because it was like, oh, okay, if there's a problem, well, I'm not going to worry about it too much because we're going to move, you know? And, like, how much effort, really, do I want to put into this person if I'm not going to be around? Right. And that was before the age of social media where you could sort of extend those friendships. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely, I think, my... There's one of two ways you can go, like completely detach and not get close to anybody or get close to people super fast and then kind of get the heck out of there. So um, I think that's where I tended to fall in the like get close to people super fast. And then um, if there was a problem, then sometimes I wouldn't know how to fix it or what to do or even like how to approach it. Because I didn't have practice. And I'm an only child. I didn't say that. But I'm an only child. Right. So I didn't have practice with siblings right. either. And I totally didn't understand any of that stuff. Well, it's interesting because you, you, you don't have any siblings. And your father passed away. Mm-hmm. And your mom didn't remarry, right? No, she never did. So you home is mom. And lot, like you guys are together. You're the thing. Right. And, and I, I hear that when I listen to you talk. I mean, there's a deep connection to mom yeah definitely because you guys have all these experiences together mm-hmm. and that's that's an interesting kind of twist in the whole third culture thing for you is, yeah definitely is that your experience is a little different after i came back to the states though um it was a lot of finding i think my own identity outside of that right because I was away from home, right. Wisconsin, like 5,000 miles away or whatever, and having to sort of do things by myself and for, right. the, for the first time figuring out how to do stuff. That's a big adjustment. It was. It definitely was. Definitely. But it was sort of exciting because everybody else there was doing the same right, thing. Right, right. And you seem to how be How do we very... do this laundry? Like, <laughs> put the whites in with the rest? Yeah. Anyway. No, don't put the whites in with the <laughs> Right, I'm sure exactly. you learned that one quick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if if you had to like like if there was like one thing where you're like, hey, if you have friends who are third culture kids, oh yeah, what 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 do you want people to know in the sense of maybe walking alongside them, caring for them, being able to hear things or understand a little bit of the way they relate? Like yeah. what what would you kind of can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. I think I was really fortunate to have a positive experience. A lot of the MKs that I know of and that I've heard about since then um, had really horrific experiences that messed them up for a super long time. And I remember somebody even that had been like a missionary somewhere else and it was in Ireland then who said like, you know, like, Jill, like, it seems like you're okay. <laughs> like, you know, like, I've seen such, you know, horrible, awful uh, situations with the MKs. And, you know, because it's a lot. 
Right. And and I think that if I hadn't had all of that moving around when I was younger, it would have been a lot tougher. I mean, it was still tough. Right. But it definitely would have been a lot tougher. And definitely for kids that have different um, personalities. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That can be a nightmare. And it yeah. can destroy them. It take a lot to, like, come back from that. Right. So I feel fortunate to have um, a positive experience on the whole. But as far as, like, other third culture kids, hmm. Well, like, how, I'm like, trying to, yeah, how I'm would trying us? I'm to think, like, how, what would be, like, a really good thing? Um, well, I mean, you can I think probably, but, like, I feel like really emphasizing to them that they're accepted for who they are. Not necessarily like for what they're doing or for how they're interacting with you, but um, like you know, like give them giving them a sense of like you can belong here. Like you know, it's your choice, obviously, but if you want to, like there's a space here for you, and you can be as wild and crazy and kooky and weird as you want to, and we're willing to like accept give some that space for that. Yeah, yeah accept that and. And and help you if you need to, like, work through um, questions and ideas. And we're not going to judge you for that. Uh, I know a lot of uh, MKs particularly definitely saw a lot of hypocrisy right. on the mission field. And when they came back, it really made them, like, question their faith, question Christianity, question organized religion. Um, in some cases, lose their faith completely so i think just giving space to let them sort of work through those issues maybe um being an example of something different you know uh where you know there isn't hypocrisy and they see like genuine kindness i mean that's good for anybody (laughs) (laughs) only for missionary kids (laughs) only missionary kids get the kindness (laughs) No kindness for anyone else. But, um, yeah, I think definitely, I think just an emphasis on, like, you can belong here. Because that's what we're looking for. We're really looking for a place where people are willing to uh, be interested in our experiences and be interested in our stories. And um, willing to accept the fact that maybe, like, there's cultural references that we don't get and not make a big deal about it. Or, you know, like... There was one kid, he was a missionary kid, I think, when he was a lot younger. And um, we were doing, like, a, a theater thing. And uh, and the director or whatever said, like, okay, everyone meet in the green room, like, before we go back. And they just met, like, the room behind the stage, you right. know. like, And if you understood cultural references and all of that, that would have made sense. He was looking through all the rooms to find the one that was green. (laughs) So I was like, ah, that's such like a third culture kid. Like, it's just like, there's these things that you are just completely lost and you need people to not make fun of you. Right. Not exploit that. Right. But just to be like, oh. That's just a phrase we use. You know, that's just something that people say. It doesn't actually mean a room that is green. And being willing to kind of like intuit some of that because it might not be obvious. Right. 
Well, wow. I think this is actually a good place to end, Jill. That's that fine. was really cool. Thank you uh, for being willing to share your life. Oh, yeah. And I suspect that as you move further on down the line in this art education world, we'll hear more from you oh, and talk about awesome. all that stuff. Cool. So thank you so much. Yeah, that thank was you. Awesome. <laughs> it was great being here. You've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Eric Steepen. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.